Welcome to the Learn English Football Podcast with your hosts, Tim and... Tom, hello Tim, how are you? I'm very well, Tom, but it's been a couple of days full of surprises. I hope you're not going to whip out a mid-season uh, resign, resignment announcement from the Learn English Football Podcast or anything like that in the middle of the episode. Uh, no, I'm not, but, I, out, I, Tom. but no, the whip something out is a very good expression. It means to, to pull something out that's uh, not expected, to whip something out, something unexpected. But uh, I am going to correct your English already, Tim. Did you feel yourself make a mistake when you said the word resignment? Yeah, what was that? Resignation, I was thinking. Exactly, yeah. Like, yeah. That's why it didn't come out quickly. I was thinking, what's <laughs> going on? What's going on? No, I was uh, clicking between screens on the computer whilst trying to introduce the show. I do apologise to all of our uh, listeners. Um, you can't, the, the blind following, the, the blind teaching, the blind leading the blind. That's a nice expression for all of you uh, learners of English. Unfortunately, I've got no excuse. Anyway, Tom, Um so a couple of big stories in world football this weekend uh, in terms of managerial changes. Uh, the managerial merry-go-round continues. That's an expression we use to say that managers are always changing. Uh, some come, some go. Some of the familiar faces of... Uh, of, of teams in desperation, I'm sure we'll mention today. Um, the big news, and I think the sad news for, for both Liverpool supporters who have been ringing up radio stations in tears, but also for English football, who've, who've, who's really benefited from, from the fresh air that his uh, heavy metal football has brought to the English game. Uh, of course, Jurgen Klopp, Tom, nearly, after nearly nine seasons in, in, at Anfield in, in Liverpool, he's announced his resignation. Um, and Tom, what, to, to what extent were you surprised by the announcement? I wasn't so surprised. If you look at his career at Mainz in Germany, followed by Borussia Dortmund, he's a manager who normally does a seven-year stint. A stint is another word for a, a duration, a period of time. So uh, the rumours were beginning uh, about two years ago when he'd come up towards seven years at Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool were also out of form two years ago. They were they they had a poor start to this. They had a poor year of football from January to December, and rumours were circulating then. Uh, you don't want to believe the rumours, but we have that expression, where there's smoke, there's fire, uh, which suggests that maybe Jurgen Klopp had said something to someone about his intention to leave. So I have to say, Tim, I'm not too surprised uh, that he has made the announcement, but I, I'm perhaps a little bit surprised by the timing, because uh, if you may remember, Alec Ferguson announced his decision to retire in the middle of the season, and it unsettled the club, and uh, I think it cost them uh, their campaign, that the team lost form. So uh, we'll see if the gamble pays off for Jurgen Klopp to announce it now, rather than at the end of the season. Yeah, it was a funny one because at Dortmund, when he when it was in his seventh season, they had an awful season. They were actually in the relegation zone when he resigned. But apparently he said to the club board, look, we need either a new style of play or my style of play, but with totally new players so that you can either sack 15 players or sack me. Um, with the with the kind of expectation that they understood that, that it was time for him to go and, and, to, and for, to bring in somebody fresh. 
Um, I think it's like what you said, Tom. He's, he's, it's, it's the end of his stint. It's the end of his natural cycle. He's been there for a long time. But I think I think the reasons he's given are genuine. He's said that he's running out of steam. And to run out of steam means to get tired or to lose energy. And he is a very intense personality. Um, and you've got to think that managers nowadays are doing up to five or six uh, press conferences a week. The job isn't just kind of, you know, on the coaching, uh, on the training ground coaching and then uh, preparing the team on a Saturday afternoon. There's lots of international travel, time away from the family. Um, and Liverpool is such a passionate city for football. You imagine his life away from football must be pretty limited. You can't just imagine Jurgen Klopp being able to go down the local pub and have a pint and switch off. Um, so... So essentially, yeah, he's he's tired. He 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 needs a break. He wants a change. Um, and he's come out and said it. I'm not so surprised about the timing, just because I think of the stature of the man and the stature of the job he's done. And stature is another word for saying size, really. Um, if he was to if he was to announce it a month before the end of the season, or even at the end of the season. He'd really leave Liverpool um, in a difficult situation uh, in terms of bringing a replacement and kind of trying to continue the project. Um, and I think what he's done now is he's given um, he's given the, the the Liverpool board an opportunity to uh, to try and to try and look to the future with less pressure in terms of time pressure. And I also think if he had told them behind closed doors, then the news would have got out. Football is a very leaky. Uh, world and I, I think he was the kind of person who would want the fans to hear it from him first and foremost so I think that's the reasoning behind the timing um, Tom lots of managers say you know and lots of players say um, oh I'll never manage another club in this country I'll never play for another club in this country and then a couple of years later we see them with their biggest rivals we've seen it with Mourinho um, we've seen it with others as well Klopp said uh, he needs a break from club football um, and and he won't manage another club in England. All the noises are, that are coming out are suggesting that he's going to go to the German national team. Of course, they've got Julian Nagelsmann, who's only got a contract until the end of the season, uh, until the end of the Euros. So it would kind of be a natural fit for him to take over the Germany team in the summer and have a two-year spell to lead them into the uh, 2026 World Cup in North America. Um, do you think that's what he will do next? Or do you think there could be, for example, I mean, we're going to talk about uh, another manager who's gone this weekend in Xavi Hernandez. Do you think a job at Barcelona or another big European club next season is a possibility? Or do you think he might have a sabbatical? What do you think's up next for him, Tom? Well, given the, the personality of the man and the way uh, he is very hands-on in his approach by hands-on i mean he's very involved in everything he's a real uh believer in having strong human relationships that will go through every player in his squad he'll have a strong relationship with all the people on his staff and he will be pretty much a workaholic as as the very best premier league managers all are these days so his reasoning for quitting that he needs to switch off, he needs to take a break. That makes sense, uh, given the kind of personality that he is uh, and being in a, a footballing city like Liverpool. So to answer your questions, could he leave 
England forever. I, I can certainly see that for the foreseeable future, the next five or ten years, he is out of English football. I think his attachment, the emotional attachment he would have with Liverpool would make it very difficult for him to go to any other club. Uh, he has resurrected a, a giant in, in footballing terms. He's brought uh, the phoenix back from the flames, uh, or the, the liver bird, I should say, which is the, the bird on the Liverpool crest. So he's he's worked with a, a a huge club there i don't think any other club could tempt him and it would have to be a club like chelsea arsenal manchester united manchester city that international job you mentioned taking over the german national team it does sound good as a, as a short term short to medium term solution for him because if he wants an easier time of it international football is the way to go uh you know it, it's not that every day thinking and planning and working it I, i'm sure international managers will correct me and say actually we are always doing that but let's be serious there's a lot less fixtures on the footballing calendar so to me it makes total sense that he could take over the international team and that would also play to his strengths because you're working uh, with personalities, you know, you're working with a group of players, elite players, and you're having very strong relationships individually and collectively with that squad. So, yes, I agree with you, Tim. I think that the German national team is the right direction for him. Yeah, I think um, and there's certainly a lot of calls in Germany for him to uh, to get that job. And in fact, they've approached him before, but the um, but the uh, the timing wasn't right. He, he had a job um at uh at Liverpool and he was happy so what why would he go on in, anywhere else um in terms of uh where does uh Jurgen Klopp I think he's definitely a modern legend um I've heard Liverpool fans compare him to Bill Shankly in terms of their greatest ever managers um if you look at his success he's won every trophy really that he's been in contention for whilst in England he's won one Premier League one FA Cup one Carling Cup one Super Cup and one Club World Cup um, so in terms of great Premier League managers, Tom, I'm going to give you some names and you're going to tell me if you think um, he's done a better or a worse, if he's more or a less of a legend of the Premier League. Um, I've made my list. Uh, he's on. He's in my top five, but I won't tell you where. OK, um, Alex Ferguson. He's way below Alex Ferguson. Yeah, uh, Alex Ferguson, I think seven or eight um, Premier League trophies, two Champions League trophies, 20 or five years at the club. Um, Pep Guardiola. He's below Pep Guardiola. Guardiola. Uh, this one's a little bit more controversial because actually head to head, I think he's him and Pep are, are fairly evenly matched. Uh, I, I would, I think Pep has proven himself to be better in league competitions. Uh, Jurgen Klopp has proven himself to arguably be better in cup competitions and European football. But Pep, I believe, has uh, 27 trophies to his name uh, and Klopp is uh, quite a way behind him. So behind Pep for me. OK, um, what about Arsene Wenger? Uh, I put him ahead of Arsene Wenger, mainly because of his European achievements. I think domestically, you can argue that Arsene Wenger has been better. I believe three Premier Leagues, seven FA Cups. Uh, that's in terms of trophies won. 
you have to say Wenger is more of a legend. But on the European stage, uh, Wenger has ultimately failed. He's, I know he came very close in the 2000 UEFA Cup final, lost on penalties to Galatasaray, lost the final of the Champions League against Barcelona. Uh, but Jurgen Klopp, crucially, have has won that European competition before. So I okay. put, put Jurgen Klopp ahead, ahead of Wenger. Well, obviously, I'm going to disagree with you there, and I'll tell you why. Uh, three Premier League trophies as opposed to one, seven FA Cups as opposed to one. But I think the key thing that we're all missing here, well, there's two key things. One, 49 games unbeaten. The first ever manager to go a whole season without losing a Premier League game, I think, is something which is just totally unique, uh, regardless of if you're an Arsenal fan or not. But more than that, I think Wenger modernised the, the, the English game in a way that Klopp has contributed to its evolution, whereas I think Wenger contributed to its revolution. Uh, I think uh, in terms of not just on the pitch, in terms of tactics, but in terms of off the pitch, in terms of lifestyle, healthy choices, player psychology and things like that. Um, but we can agree to disagree. Um, what about uh, the, the special one, uh, Jose Mourinho or Jose Mourinho? Uh, where would you put uh, Jurgen Klopp in in terms of uh, comparison with with the special one, Tom? Ahead or behind? Yeah, interestingly, they they there was a comparison when Jurgen Klopp arrived, and he called himself the normal one. I think is a, a marker to Mourinho with his first interviews, calling himself the special one. I put Klopp level with Mourinho, really. I I think uh, Mourinho has uh, probably one more. And uh, he's shown that he's been able to win with uh, small clubs. Although you know, Klopp did very well getting Mainz promoted to small the Bundesliga. Small clubs like Chelsea, and, and even smaller uh, clubs like Spurs. Before no, then, we have to get. That's, that's my bias coming. Yeah, out, but, but Mourinho showed he did it with Porto before he came to the Premier League. Uh, and he showed that he could win around Europe in in different countries. So, four trophies won. You would go with Mourinho, but actually Mourinho's star has faded a little bit. His tactics seem a little bit outdated in the year 2023. Uh, and I think that uh, Klopp, the way that he uh, resuscitated Liverpool, he did something with Liverpool club, football club that uh, Mourinho was unable to do with Manchester United. Uh, and you could see that the energy, the charisma that Klopp had, perhaps his personality has uh, unified or galvanized that whole city and put everyone behind him and, and fighting together as one. In a way, Mourinho was a bit more divisive, creating friction and there was a lot of fallouts, meaning, you know, a lot of enemies and destruction sometimes in the path behind Mourinho. So for that reason, I feel that Wenger uh, is equally as legendary as Mourinho. You mean you mean Klopp? You said Wenger. Sorry, I said uh, Wenger. I meant Klopp, yes. <laughs> it's funny you should say that. So essentially, you've put Klopp and Mourinho on an equal. On my list, I've gone very similar to you. I've got Alex Ferguson in first place, Pep in second place. I've actually gone joint third, fourth place for Wenger and Mourinho. Um, because although they're totally different, Mourinho in his first spell at Chelsea, was was just found a way to be so good on the pitch. He found a way to win. OK, he spent a lot of money, but he, he did it very well. He, he was special in that first spell. And then I've put Klopp uh, fifth. Um, I've seen other people try and put Carlo Ancelotti on the list, but I don't think he's 
um done his best work in england so i wouldn't i wouldn't put him anywhere near that list to be honest um but i think Co- i mean to be either the fourth or the fifth most legendary manager in the history of of the premier league is certainly no small thing so i think it's he's obviously made a big mark on the league um Tom, I would just like to, gonna, to, 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 to clarify one point here, really, because you can always look at trophies and say, OK, Mourinho, Wenger, they've won more than Klopp. Uh, you can look at tactics uh, and you can say what you said about Wenger, that uh, his tactics were perhaps superior. Uh, you could also argue though, that Klopp's style of football was tactically quite innovative, uh, particularly the, the high press, the counter press, press style, the Jürgen press, they called it, where uh, they, the team would basically be trying to win the ball back very quickly in the opponent's half. Uh, so you're trying to combine all of these different things. And, and I'm also perhaps putting more weight on the the charisma, the personality of the person and and the way that he's unified uh, the team. Uh, Whereas, you know, I appreciate that most people might judge trophies uh, a little bit higher. Yeah, but I think that's the beauty of football. I was having this very conversation with a friend the other day about uh, the Ballon d'Or. And, you know, I've realised that I essentially judge Ballon d'Or not really on trophies, but how good I think that person is at football. And my friend was saying that it should be down to what they do or their success on the pitch in any given season. And that's why I think that's why football does allow for people like us to make podcasts because there's so much room for interpretation. And that is nice. Um, In terms of going forward, Tom, I've heard a lot of scared Liverpool fans on the radio, scared of Steven Gerrard being their next manager. Um, But I think... There would have to be a lot go wrong between before Stephen Gerrard became their manager. I'm looking on a betting website now. Uh, Stephen Gerrard is third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth favourite on the list. So let's start from the top, Tom. And let's go through, I think, the top five or six managers and think if they would be a good fit or if they would be a bad fit and how likely it is to happen. So we'll start with Xavi Alonso. Of course, he had a very successful spell uh, at Liverpool as a player. Uh, he's having a great season at uh, Bayer Leverkusen. They're top of the league. They haven't lost all season. They're playing some really nice football. He hasn't spent loads of money. He's adapted to the players, mostly adapted to the players that were there. Um, and of course, they're in a league where they weren't expected to be top. You know, they they weren't they came, they didn't even come second last season, and they're having a great season. Um, so on paper. Lots of the Liverpool fans are interested because on paper, in theory, he looks like a good fit. I think there's a couple of things that uh, could stand against him integrating so well in terms of tactics. I think his tactics are very kind of Spanish, tiki-taka, short-passing, possession-based um, style. Um, and and I don't think that might maybe would fit in with, with the way Klopp's been working. But I don't think, I think players are intelligent in the modern game. So I think, uh, okay, there'd be a short adaptation period. But I think another problem with Xabi Alonso is until Ancelotti recently signed an extension at Real Madrid, everyone was thinking he was going to Real Madrid. And I think that's his long-term destination. And, you know, Ancelotti might stay a season, might stay another two seasons, but at the end of the day, Ancelotti is not going to stay there forever. It is Real Madrid. And when the Real Madrid job becomes available, Xavi Alonso's name, if he keeps on working the way he is working, is going to be top of the list. And Liverpool certainly don't want to be seen as a stepping stone club or an interim club for Xavi Alonso. That would that would, uh, 
that would um you know it would it would belittle them almost in their in their stature and to belittle makes somebody seem smaller and stature again that word meaning size it would make them look like a small club so tom do you think that might be a concern uh for the liverpool board um the fenway sports group i Agreed, Xabi Alonso would be the first choice for Liverpool. And they, along with Real Madrid, will both be bending over backwards to try and sign Xabi Alonso as manager at some point in the future. That some point will depend, again, on when Carlo Ancelotti calls it a day. To call it a day means to to announce his resignation. Uh, Liverpool might have the opportunity to get in there first uh, if Ancelotti is staying at Madrid for the near future. But Xabi Alonso is a young manager. He's got a long career ahead of him. He's highly sought after. He can go to both clubs. I would bet money, actually, that he will go and manage both clubs at some point in the future. So that's my, yeah, my feeling on him. I think you're looking at it from Xabi Alonso point of view, though. Um, but if you're looking from a Liverpool point of view, I mean, if you're Xabi Alonso, if you're going to sign this contract at Liverpool this summer, you're probably going to ask for some kind of release clause if Real Madrid offer you the job. Um, if you're the Liverpool owners, do you want to give him that release clause? Uh, how much would that release clause be? Um, and so I think, I mean, obviously from Xabi Alonso's point of view, it's a, it would be a fantastic opportunity. Um, but I just wonder if there's a little bit of a danger around his long-term ambitions. Um, and that brings us on to our second most favourite, according to the, the odds tracker website that I'm on, uh, Roberto De Zerbi, Tom, the current Brighton manager. He's been there for, what, about a year and a half now? Um, he's done a great job. He's elevated Brighton up the league. Uh, he's transformed their style of play. Uh, really exciting, innovative football. Um, OK, they haven't had a brilliant season this season, but they're still overperforming in comparison to the to the value of players they've got on the pitch. Um, we know Brighton are the type of club that if you come along with an acceptable, a, a sizable but an acceptable offer, they will release their managers and players. Um, and obviously he has the advantage of Chavilonso uh, over Chavilonso of having managed in the Premier League. Um, so, OK, he maybe doesn't have the, 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 the fame and the reputation as a player, but he's already got a name as a manager in the Premier League. So do you think Roberto De Zerbi might, uh, would, well, would you think he would be a good option for Liverpool? I think he would be, yeah, absolutely the plan B option. If if for whatever reason, Alonso, Jabby Alonso is unavailable, then De Zerbi would be a perfect fit for Liverpool because he's another charismatic, stylish manager. He's got He's on a hot streak uh, managing Sassuolo, then Shakhtar Donetsk, and then Brighton, and improving each of the clubs he came to, playing in a very uh, appealing way. Easy on the eye, we say. When it's easy on the eye, the football is attractive. It's enjoyable to watch it. So this fits with Liverpool. It's the kind of uh, uh, strong... Uh, Attractive personality playing the attractive football. Uh, yes, I could easily see De Zerbi going to Liverpool. Yeah. Um, and then I think I think the other options are, I mean, the, the third option on the list is, is Klopp's assistant, Pep Linders. Um, obviously, that would mean two Peps managing Tom, some of the top teams in the Premier League. Um, his last manager, his experience was at NEC in Holland. He was sacked uh, from the second division of hot Dutch football for failing to get them promoted. They were knocked out in the playoffs. 
obviously he's he's been Klopp's assistant, so that would be the continuation um, option. Uh, do you think that's? Um, I mean, I I personally I'd always be a bit reluctant to go for an option like that. I think uh, the players know who the authority, who has the authority, and and um, and you know if he's an assistant manager, he'll obviously have already had to show a kind of softer side than the big manager to relate to be the kind of go between uh, between the players and the manager. So I'd I'd be reluctant if I were Liverpool to go down that route. But if they've got Klopp itis, if they're addicted to the idea of Klopp and want and uh, want the the dream to continue, they might go down that route. Tom, would you be reluctant or would you be motivated to go with, with Linders? I could only see it happening if Liverpool needed a caretaker manager, meaning a manager to step in and uh, take the reins, which is uh, what you you have when you're holding a horse, when you're sitting on a saddle, the reins of the horse. It means take control of the situation just for a short period of time. Typically, uh, you know, second, the, the assistant managers moving into the managerial role, it doesn't have a, a long track history of being successful and also you have to consider that if you're the assistant manager working under uh, a big name like Jurgen Klopp or Sir Alec Ferguson then it's actually very important that you set out on your own away from the club where you were working together and you establish yourself in your own right as a manager. It sounds like Pep Linders hasn't quite uh, achieved the success he needs to yet when when he was in Holland with NEC. So uh, I can't see that one as a, as a realistic contender. No, nor can I really. Um, and then there's a couple of uh, left field uh, speculative choices. To a left field option is an unexpected one. Uh, Ruben Amorim, the Sporting Lisbon manager. I know Sporting Lisbon have had a couple of good seasons also in Europe. Uh, Roger Schmidt the German Benfica manager. Um, I imagine, again, Benfica have always punching above their weight, which means doing better than people expect in European uh, football. But, I mean, and has anybody really, would, would, would any of the Liverpool fans ever have heard of them? Would they be, would their lack of a reputation mean that they would uh, be easily criticised and would maybe have less patience? One interesting option, Tom, who I think should be higher on the list, really, is Ange Postacoglu. Uh, I think he, uh, in terms of a personality and style of football, um, is quite similar in lots of ways to to to, um, to Klopp. Sorry, I just had a, a phone call happen there. Um, and, I mean, he's a very man-manager-based style of manager. He's He's got Tottenham playing some really good football. The main downside, I think, would be... Um, the fact that he's only just got to Tottenham, so I imagine it'd be very difficult to to get him away, especially when the person you're negotiating with is Daniel Levy, who's famously hard to negotiate. Just ask anyone who's tried to buy Harry Kane over the last five seasons. So, Tom, what do you think about Posta Coglu? Firstly, do you think he could do a good job there? And secondly, well, and do you think he's got? Do you think he's proven himself enough? And thirdly, do you think it's a viable option, or do you think Daniel Levy would just say no? Postacoglu is a more viable option than the uh, the pre other two managers you mentioned, Sporting Lisbon or Benfica managers. Uh, the reason is is that Liverpool will have to get a manager who has got either Premier League experience in managing a club, taking them to the different places, uh, you know, for at least a season, uh, or a player who has the experience of going to these different places in the UK to play football. Someone like Xabi Alonso. Uh, anyone 
like the Roger Smith or the the uh, other Benfica manager, they don't have that experience in the Premier League. So that rules them out completely. Regarding Postecoglou and his current contract with Levy at Tottenham, uh, yes, it could be hard to get him out of that contract, but I'm not sure if Liverpool will want to either because, yes, he's had a good start with Tottenham, uh, but he still ultimately hasn't won anything yet. And uh, I think if he can get some silverware in the White Hart Lane trophy cabinet, then Liverpool will be more interested. But right now, he's still in his uh, debut season as a Premier League manager. Uh, He's started well, but there's a long way to go. There's a big difference between looking good and winning trophies. Yeah, you wouldn't want to sign someone on the back of that honeymoon period, would you? Um, Moving on to whoever gets the job. I mean, they they are big uh, shoes to fill. Uh, he has done a great job. Uh, they often say that uh, it's better to be the one after the person who follows a big manager. And that would certainly be the case, uh, for example, at Arsenal. Unai Emery, in spite of his experience, did struggle. Uh, you could argue that uh, Manchester United are still uh, struggling under the shadow of of, of Alex Ferguson. Um, there's also factors like Trent Alexander-Arnold, uh, Salah and Virgil van Dijk they've all got their contracts running out in the next 18 months um, and obviously it's going to be hard to get those players to sign um, if if there's lack of certainty around the future or if they don't get in a big name manager who really convinces those players that Anfield is the place to be so Tom uh, I think one difference between Arsene Wenger and, and Ferguson who I think left their teams all in quite a weak position if you look at the, the the squads in both Arsenal and Manchester United's last seasons with those managers they were quite weak but I think the Klopp has actually re- kind of reinvested in this squad they've gone through a transition period they've got some young talent and they've okay they've they've got uh, Salah and Virgil van Dijk who are, who are getting on but the rest of the players are quite young and have got their best football either at the moment or in front of them so Tom do you think they're, they're it'll be an, a poisoned chalice an impossible job or do you think there is a possibility that one of the managers we've mentioned could come in and be almost instantly successful You are absolutely right. The squad is in good shape. Uh, If we talked about the squad one or two years ago with some players looking a bit tired, people who they've since got rid of, like Fabinho, uh, Mane, who I think is a great player, but he was already 30 when when he left the club, Uh, Roberto Firmino. This is the old guard who were there when Klopp Klopp brought into the club seven or eight years ago. Uh, These players had to go, and these new players who have come in, they've had... We've had the transition period, but ultimately uh, now the, the team is looking as good as ever. Let's look at Liverpool's prospects right now this season. They're odds on favourites to win the League Cup uh, in the final against Chelsea. Uh, they've also looking very, very strong. They're in the Europa League knockout round stages. They're through in the FA Cup and they're up at the top of the league. That will be a challenge between them and Manchester City. So we're looking at potentially four trophies. Uh, they could easily, I think, get two of those trophies. And, you know, this this is going to attract any manager wanting to come in and carry on with this successful winning group of players. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a tricky one. I think, um, well, I mean, just to sum it up, really, there was a very, very, very sad day on on uh, on Liverpool's, uh, on the radio waves 
uh, coming out of Liverpool at the weekend. Uh, as I was saying, fans genuinely in tears talking about the news. Um, and I mean, it was a shock. It was a shock to everyone. Um, so, Tom, that is the big story coming out of um, the world football this weekend. We have had Xavi Hernandez who's uh who's resigned as well but i think it's less surprising and he's he's on a poor run of form uh they conceded five goals at home against Villarreal. five goals at home for they've conceded for the first time in 60 years he's currently been talking about um you know uh judge me on results judge me on the competitions i win well he's in the last few weeks i think that he's out of contention in the league uh, they lost in the in the Supercopa to, to Real Madrid. They lost in the Copa del Rey quarterfinals to Atletico Bilbao. Um, they're not playing great football, but I think it's a difficult job, Tom. I mean, the expectation's enormous after the years of success that they've had and also the financial restrictions uh, with financial fair play and the debt that Barcelona are in and uh, the, the tight La Liga financial controls. Um, I mean, Tom, do, do you think it's a... a, a would you, if you were a big name manager, would you be interested in going to Barcelona, or do you think it's one of those where you should wait two or three seasons and then go there? Then, well, you know, for, for Xavi, I do sympathise. I do think he overachieved last season, winning the league with Barcelona. When you look at the squad they had in comparison with uh, the squad of Real Madrid, uh, I I think Xavi has said he needs a break, you know, mentally he's feeling the pressure, which really means he's feeling the criticism. Uh, he's not able to insulate himself. Now, that might be uh, harder as a manager. In, in, as a player, I'm sure he had, he was criticised, but it seems to be affecting him more. And you mentioned the poison chalice that it could be for the next Liverpool manager. It feels like Barcelona is holding a poisoned chalice. A chalice is like a, a ceremonial oh. cup. That's right. For whoever comes in and takes that job. Now, potentially they do have a fantastic youth system coming through with brilliant players. Uh, you know, Yamal, the latest 16-year-old, but they've got 17, 18, 19-year-olds who are proving that they are very, very high quality. But they are clearly a club in transition themselves. Partly they are affected by their financial restrictions. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a tempting job for that elite group of managers. I, I put Jurgen Klopp in that elite group. I think there's seven or eight of them. They'll be avoiding Barcelona. Yeah, well, I'm looking at the odds on favourites and... Uh... There was a fake news story coming out of Barcelona yesterday that Mikel Arteta was interested in. He's denied it. Um, they've got Rafa Marquez, who's manager of the of the youth team, uh, but never had any real management experience at the top level. You've got Jurgen Klopp, Hansi Flick uh, and Jose Mourinho. I think Barcelona fans will be uh, bursting into tears when they hear Mourinho's name. But just Jim. from all of those managers... I don't think any of them really would fancy the job. Maybe Rafa Marquez because he's already there. But Tim, uh, you did mention Mikel Arteta. I did see in the news that Mikel Arteta might be leaving Arsenal at the end of the season. Have you heard that? No, that was the fake news story that was coming out of Barcelona yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what Barcelona are like when they want a player or a manager. They just invent news and then someone else reports on someone else's news and it becomes news. You know how it works, Tom. Mm -hmm. uh, no, Arteta's come out today and said he's actually insulted by the rumour. 
um, and he's really critical, really come out very hard and criticised the fake news. Um, but yeah, Tom, just from the the list of managers there, uh, it's a depressing time for Barcelona Football Club. They've got the corruption case hanging over them with an. Uh, with the um the paying of referees or the alleged paying of referees, they've obviously living in a post messy period. Uh, I think that the the their ideal tiki tack of football, uh, that they're failing to play as well as they used to. I think it's potentially dead, even if they were playing it as well as they would like to be. I think football's moved on. Uh, I think it's a very difficult time for Barcelona. Very difficult indeed. Um, Tom, on that uh depressing note for the Barcelona fans. Uh, I think that's all we've got time for. Um, it's sped by as always. Time flies when you're having fun. Um, Tom, could you let our listeners know if they want to get involved in the conversation, where they can find us on social media and things like that, please? Yes, you can come and uh, find our Facebook page. We have a Learn English Football Podcast Facebook page, Left Pod. Uh, we haven't been too active on TikTok or Instagram, though, Tim, have we? So uh, the best thing our listeners can do to help us with the channel is share the podcast with a friend. Uh, if you think there's someone who might enjoy listening to this and practicing their English listening skills, and also leave us a little review or a rating that will help us uh, get boosted in the podcast podcast platforms yeah that would be fantastic tom it's been an absolute pleasure as always and uh, big news for our listeners our loyal listeners will be back on friday with a transfer deadline day special it's been a bit of a quiet window but uh, maybe that's also something we can talk about uh so tom see you next time thanks to all of our listeners bye 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 tim thank you